We don't delve too much into war history on this channel. Actually, this will be the first time mentioning it without it just being in passing. But this story is just too cool to pass up on. Minasan konnichiwa and welcome to the Board Game Dojo's Quick Hit series, where we cover a topic in about 15 minutes. Now, I usually say a brief topic, but today we are actually covering a topic that has so much more to say about it. The absolute badass women designated as Reds, who, using board games, helped win World War II. Now it should be said that we are just going to cover the very surface of this topic and our information for this episode mainly came from the book A Game of Birds and Wolves by Simon Parkin, for which I'll leave a link in the episode description. The Women's Royal Navy Service was actually started in World War I, but when the war was over, the group disbanded. However, for many of the women, it had already become a bit like a sisterhood, and digests and newsletters were still passed around, thanks in part to Dame Catherine First, who founded the Association of Wrens. During World War II, revival and conscription seemed to be in different times, but the Women's Royal Navy Service was started back up in 1939, while conscriptions of unmarried women and widows with no children between 20 and 30 years old started in 1941. The appointed leader was Vera Lawton Matthews, a former suffragette who was perfect for the job of leading strong, intelligent, and brave women. But instead of being called the WRNS, Lawton Matthews instead proposed that they go by the colloquial name, the Wrens. Although originally the intention was for women to join to quote-unquote free up men for the fleet, it wasn't long before the Wrens made their own mark on the military. There are so many stories to tell, like that of Beatrice Schilling, whose device helped keep the Merlin V-12s of early Spitfires from losing fuel pressure during negative G maneuvers, an invention credited with putting British fighter pilots on an even footing against the fuel-injected German fighter planes. In all, 303 women lost their lives in service, one of which was stationed at Derby Park, home of the Western Approaches Tactical Unit, or WATU, where today's story takes place. In the Battle of the Atlantic, U-boats wiped out cargo ships left and right. The British government labeled them a menace, and German U-boat captains boasted about how much tonnage they had sunk, how much supplies were not getting to their destination. In a way that mirrors other tactics of dehumanization, the body count was ignored. It was the tonnage that mattered. That was worn as a badge of honor. At this point of the war, 1942, the Germans had their tactics well practiced. They would go out in what were called wolf packs where the U-boats would patrol separately and often in a linear fashion, where supposed convoy lines were. Once a convoy came, they would radio the pack, and the pack size would be the number of U-boats that could get to the scene. If the number was high enough, an attack would begin. And the U-boat commanders, as long as they weren't given explicit instructions from base, could attack as they seemed fit. This led to heavy casualties, and the Allies were losing supplies that could help feed their people and build infrastructure and weapons. Churchill wrote that U-boats were the only thing that scared him. So a task force was created, Watu, led by Captain Gilbert Roberts, who had been discharged from the military with tuberculosis. The group was tasked with not only finding out how the U-boats were causing such massive casualties, but also how to counter them. To do this, Roberts and his team of Wrens devised a setup, a game. To conduct the games, brown linoleum covered the floor on which grid lines were spaced 10 inches apart, representing one nautical mile per square. Small wooden models represented the ships and U-boats. Around the grid, vertical screens of canvas with peepholes were set up. Players who controlled the escort ships stood behind the screens and could only view the game through the peepholes. Players who controlled the U-boats had an unrestricted view of the board. Different colored chalk indicated the U-boats and escort ships' movements. Players had two minutes per turn to make decisions and give orders. In these scenarios, Roberts and his team would use real battles and information as to where the ships were. 
One such task was figuring out how one successful captain avoided the wolf pack alive multiple times, using a technique he called Buttercup. Using the game, the Wrens calculated, reacted, and responded much the way the captain did using his tactics. After many times through the game, the Wrens concluded that, in fact, Buttercup was all luck. The tactic wouldn't be a successful counter to the U-Boat's wolf pack. But something bothered the group deeply during these exercises. The ships that were lost during the battles, how did they get hit? If the U-Boats were coming at a linear fashion and firing from the outside of the convoy, why were the ships in the middle the ones getting sunk? Through painstaking analysis, the team figured it out, the strategy that had disseminated from a man who had become a hero in Germany. Following the lead of U-boat ace Kreschmer, Nazi captains were sailing inside the convoys and attacking from within, something that the overworked and overwhelmed escort ship commanders in the battle couldn't see. At night, the U-boat would come in unobserved, torpedo a ship, probably the biggest one, and then dive to the bottom and wait for the rest of the convoy to float over them. Bringing this news to superior officers, the team was met with skepticism. Whether this was because a board game was uncovering strategies that highly trained officers at sea were missing, or because the chief finders were women, or maybe both. This was actually the normal for the team, with each time a new superior officer was put in charge, they were always met with a scoff. But either way, with the results of these tests, both the Buttercup was not a valid strategy, and the revelations of how wolf packs work, the team was given more members and told to find countermeasures. And they did. Rent officer Jean Laidlaw is credited with coming up with the first reliable anti-U-boat strategy, nicknamed Operation Raspberry, or just Raspberry, named to give a raz of contempt to Hitler, which at least sounds cool. The idea was to triangulate the U-boat using sonar and then drop depth charges. The escorts would patrol around the torpedoed ship, shooting Roman candles to light up the surface. For those like me who don't know what depth charges are, they are intended to destroy a submarine by being dropped into the water nearby and detonating. Most depth charges use high explosive charges and a fuse set to detonate the charge, typically at a specific depth. To put it to the test, Janet Ockel and Jean Laylaw would practice, with Ockel playing the role of the escort ship captain. She scored a direct hit on the U-boat. They changed up the situation. And again, a direct hit. Again and again, Ockel managed to hit the sub. It was time to call in the boss. They had managed to figure out how to counter the menacing U-boats. After some skepticism, Top Brass finally met with the team to see what all the fuss was about. How could a game do what they couldn't, with all their years of know-how and experience? The Top Brass were put against the Wrens, with accurate noise and intel being put in for both sides. The escorts won. And they won again. The superior officers were astounded, and Watu quickly became the premier place for captain training. Escort officers were also instructed to go to Watu to learn not only about Raspberry, but also lessons in working as a team. The Wrens were often met with disdain, most notably seasoned captains, but they quickly proved their worth. One story in the book talks about a 20-year-old Wren with no sea experience telling an old decorated captain during the game, I wouldn't do that, sir. Him getting angry, but moments later realizing that she was right. In the calmness of the room, these Wrens were able to see clearly what others couldn't. It made able strategists out of people who weren't even allowed on the boats. Another story goes that after Admiral Horton took over as the person overseeing Watu, over Captain Roberts that is, he came to visit Watu and he was met with a team ready to play against him. At the time, England's most decorated submariner and then Atlantic Escorts commander, Horton was ready to face off against this team of non-experienced players. He would be the U-boat captain, ready to sink them and get away unscathed. And as you can probably guess, he lost. The Wrens sunk him five times in a row. Horton continued to expand the organization's role after that incident. 
As more and more people came through the training, and Raspberry and the half-Raspberry were fully employed on the seas, the Battle of the Atlantic began to take a turn. A good turn for the Allies, a devastating one for the Germans. The climax of the book, at least, was in May 1943, where convoy ONS-5, over seven days, multiple escort groups managed to defend the America-bound ships from a super wolf pack of 50 U-boats, namely by employing the strategy of Raspberry. The convoy didn't go completely unscathed, but the escorts sunk a U-boat for every two Allied ships lost. After this, and other losses due to the new strategies by the Allies, Admiral Donitz ordered a 17-week pause in U-boat operations, and when reporting to Hitler, could only blame better technology, when in fact it was the hard work of the Rens at Watu. It was the beginning of the end of the Germans' reign over the Atlantic, and in the coming months, the Allies were able to train the U.S. on similar tactics and get more cargo, namely 55 million tons, across the Atlantic and into the hands of their people. What I find interesting, aside from all this, is just how little we know about the Wrens, both in this case of board games at Derby Park, but also otherwise. Unlike many of their male counterparts who were able to publish their diaries and talk about their times of war, many of the Wrens worked in classified operations, like using board games to train officers on the latest strategies, or working alongside Alan Turing breaking the Enigma code and then continuing to decrypt it. Therefore, they weren't allowed to talk about what they did during the war. And also, unlike their Captain Roberts, much of the work they did went unaccommodated. But what they did for the war was unmistakably important. Today, military schools continue to use board games and war games to train officers, develop strategies, and try to map out possible diplomatic angles. Even though many scoffed at the idea both of board games being employed to win the Battle of the Atlantic, and that women were to play such a prominent role in training highly experienced captains and their inexperienced shipmen Newman maneuvers, there is no doubt that they both helped turn the tides of the war. Thank you so much for listening today. If you want to learn more about this subject, we will put some sources for you in the show notes. And if you want to talk about it, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and check out our YouTube where we post videos exclusively about games from East Asia. Until next time, arigatou gozaimashita. じゃあね。